What a wonderful biblical truth. We may not understand, we may not see all things, but brothers and sisters, you have placed your faith in God and you have confessed that you would trust Him. We have preached that we will trust Him. We have preached that we will follow Him no matter what. And so God has seen to it in the last couple of years, and He is still seeing to it, that we trust Him. And so this morning we want to do that, and we want to go to His Word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to finish up on this spiritual, not finish up the whole thing, but these verses that we looked at last week on spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11 will be our text this morning. If you remember, 1 Corinthians is a letter that we've kind of entitled the sermon series, Dear Church. It is a letter that Paul has written to the Corinthian church so that he may rebuke them and then correct them in some things that they were doing that were not right, some things that were not honoring God, that were not healthy. Um, it, is, it is a very relevant church in our day, I'm sorry, relevant letter in our day, and that it deals with relevant problems that we ourselves as churches, local churches, deal with. And so it can be kind of difficult as you and I walk through this letter because it's revealing problems, it's revealing some things that, that, that we have to deal with. And so Paul actually ends up rebuking us, he ends up correcting us. But this letter is a treasure for a local church that is looking to revitalize. It is a, a treasure uh, for a church that wants to be healthy, that wants to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And so as we come to chapter 12, you, we saw that this begins a three-chapter theme, a three-chapter theme, 12, 13, and 14, that deals with spiritual people, dealing with our personal spirituality. The Corinthians had based their spiritual thermometer, if you will, on a worldly standard, on an unbiblical standard. How spiritual are you? Well, it depends on what pastor you listen to, what pastor you follow. For us, it may depend on what books you read, that type of deal, what pastor you listen to on YouTube. That they, they looked at it in, you know, how wise were you? How much do you know about the Bible? How much do you know about the world? You know, how, how intellectual are you? How philosophical are you? They looked at it in things that you may do that weren't really sinful, those gray areas and certain choices that we would make. Well, well how spiritual are you? Well, do you eat the meat or, don't you, or do you not eat the meat? Well, well I, I, I eat the meat. Well, then either you're, they would even say, well, you're more spiritual or you're not as spiritual as the other person. And so they base spirituality on these gray areas. Are you married or unmarried? Well, if you were unmarried, you were single, and you were going to live life to Christ, they would say, well, you're more spiritual than the married person. The married person couldn't do that. Well, then the married people say, well, wait a minute. You don't know what we go through. You don't know about our life. We're more spiritual than the single people. On and on and on, there was this pitting one another against each other on who really was spiritual and then if that wasn't enough, in chapter 12, Paul reveals another area, another little dash on the thermometer, spiritual gifts. That there were those who had certain spiritual gifts that were more public, 
And so they saw themselves as being more spiritual than the other person. They were the better Christian because this is what they would do. And so obviously this fueled an already divided church. And so if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, the big idea, or last week, the big idea of these verses in four, uh, chapter, verses 4 through 11 of chapter 12 is that spiritual gifts are supposed to bring unity that results in the manifestation of the Spirit and the edification of the church. And so we'll see that this morning as we look at the purpose of spiritual gifts. If you missed last week, we looked at the nature of spiritual gifts. They are supernatural. They are a gracious gift, and there are many of them. And you can go back to uh, the website, and, or you can get it on your app or Facebook, uh, and you can see that sermon. But we see there the, that they come from one origin, from God, and they are a supernatural gift. They, are, they come by His grace, and there are many of them for many ministries and many with many effects. And so what I want to do this morning is, as we look at um, the, the purpose now, if we look at the reason why God gives us these gifts, I want you to see three headings this morning. I want you to see the responsibility, the testimony, and I want you to see the edification. The responsibility, the testimony, and the edification. So let's dive into these verses. Verse 4, he says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. But there are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing them, or distributing to each one individually just as He wills. And may God bless the reading and the preaching of His Word this morning. Notice first the responsibility. If you will, look at verse 7 again. Verse 7 will be the, the main focus of the sermon this morning. And so we'll, we're really going to kind of stay here. and We'll branch out a little bit, but not much. But notice that he says in verse 7, you kind of find a purpose statement here. He says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so, so here we see the common good being the purpose. But there are a couple of things here that I think we can look at that will kind of help us understand what he means by common good and what does that look like within the church. So first, notice the responsibility. He says, but to each one. So you have a, a, a contrast being made. Remember that Paul, we just read that there are many gifts with many ministries and many different effects. But there is one God. There is one Spirit. And he even gives us the Trinity just so that, we, he, so that we don't get confused and think that spiritual gifts only come just from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and that the Father and Son are not involved. He says by the same Spirit, by the same Lord, and by the same God. And so he gives us this, okay? So there are many gifts, but there's one origin. And so now he makes a contrast and he says, but these many gifts are given out to many people. They're given out to each one, or maybe your Bible says to everyone. And so the question then rises is, well, who is everyone? Who are these recipients of the gifts? Well, if you really want to know, you can see back in verse 1 where he says, in verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren brethren here we find that paul is talking about the church members we are brothers and sisters in christ you are my 
faith family. And so Paul's going to keep that throughout this letter. He's been doing that. This is our faith family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We see this in the Gospels. We see this in the New Testament. We are a family that has been brought together by the supernatural work of Jesus Christ that he did on the cross. And so here he is saying, when he says everyone or to each one, that he is talking about the faith family and every member within the faith family, not just the majority of them. So so it's not like 75% of you here this morning have received a spiritual gift, but the other 25% have not. Or it's not even a 50-50 deal. He says every one, meaning that there is not one Christian in here this morning. There's not one Christian that is on the the faith family role, the church membership role, that has not received a spiritual gift. You have not been left out. And again, these are not talents. So what Melanie has just done and and, and sharing her talents that are God given, that she has saying to us, that is not a a, a spiritual gift. That is a talent. And so we, we see there in these verses, uh, where verses 8, 9, 10, where he lays out to, uh, or verses 7, 8, 9, 10, where he lays out the gifts. And I'll look at those a little more closely. But every person has received a spiritual, gracious gift from our Lord. But notice something within this text, within this verse. Because we looked at this last week, that there are many gifts and everyone receives at least one of these gifts. But verse 7 is not looking at you receiving the gift as though you are just a recipient of the gift. Verse 7 is really looking at that you have received this gift. Notice what he says. By the manifestation of the Spirit, for. For. In other words, you have received a gift for a purpose. And so immediately we now come and see that this gift has been given to me. Not, I'm not just a recipient of the gift. I am now, actually, beloved, an agent of the gift. I am now a means for the gift, for the purpose at which God has. Think of it this way. If you've ever watched the, uh, the 007 movies or read the 007 books, right? And so, so, so you, can, you watch those movies, and everybody loves, I would guess that everybody loves the, 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 the spy gadgets, right? So, so if you've read the books or watched the movies, so 007 goes to, I believe it's Q, and he gets what they call the Q gadgets, and so he goes, and so, you know, you, he just starts showing him all these really cool things that he can do. Who wouldn't want machine guns on their vehicle? That would be amazing. Amen. A little road rage, anybody? Somebody, not, somebody in your way, just knock them out. Somebody a little, little close to you, hit the little button, the grease, the oil comes out, you know, get them off your t- you know, the back of your t- the bumper there. Who wouldn't want a laser on their watch? I could have fun with that. Those are really cool gadgets. But brothers and sisters, 007 was never given a cool gadget for fun to go and play with, to traverse the, 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 you know, the, the traffic of a large city just so he could get to... No, he was given the cool gadgets that he may be an agent of, of, of serve, be an agent of the purpose, the service to his country. Beloved, you are, you are a recipient of a gracious supernatural gift of God that you may become an agent to the king and carry out the purpose of the king of kings. And so therefore, one of you, therefore not one of you in here is without purpose. Nor 
not one of you in here is without expectation. God has given every Christian that is in this room this morning a very gracious, wonderful gift, supernatural gift, that you may put it to work in this church. You've been given orders, beloved. You know, he always gets the orders, 007 did. You've been given the orders, and the orders that you have been given is found right here within the local church, that you are to help this church be healthy and vibrant. You are to put it to work to the kingdom of God. Do Do we not remember Matthew chapter 25? You remember the parable of the talents? In Matthew chapter 25, we, we see there in verse 15, um, well, in verse 14, he says, for it, is like, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who has called his own slaves and he's trusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went to his own journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents, he went and traded them, and he gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But the one who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Notice that everyone received something from the Lord. Just in the same way, we, if you are a Christian, every one of us receives a spiritual gift. They're different, and they may, they, there's a variety of them, and you may have only one while someone has two they may be different whatever but you were given something to be put into the service and we understand that later when the the one who dug a hole and he 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 hid his talent and he didn't he didn't do anything with it we know in verse 26 he said but his master answered and he said to him you wicked lazy slave you knew that i reap where i did not sow and you gather where i scattered no seed then you ought to have put my money in the bank and, and on my arrival i would have received my money back with interest he says, therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to one who has ten. Brothers and sisters, you have an expectation upon you. You're not just a recipient this morning. You're not, you're not just receiving the grace of God, the extra grace, right? That with the grace of salvation and then he just keeps pouring it on us and he gives us these, these wonderful spiritual gifts that you may just enjoy these for yourself. No. We talk a lot about the importance of church attendance. You are to be faithful to the gathering of the church. But never believe that you are not to be also faithful to the service of the church. Never think, beloved, that that you can gather and that's enough. That you are not to serve within the local church. Take, for example, the core values of our church, biblical fidelity. We have seen over the last several Sunday nights on our church uh, our new testament survey course where the church body not just the pastors the church is being given the responsibility to uphold the word of god to protect the word of god to spread the word of god what another core value gospel witness you are to be a gospel witness as well so you're to protect it and you're to spread it so so we've seen that and we've looked at that that the that the epistles that that paul and peter that, that's what they call us to do. that's what god's called us to do well your spiritual gift is to be put into service that you protect the word of god that you spread the word of god that you honor god with through his word and you may not even be a preacher but god has given some of you the gift of teaching God has given some of you the gift of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and understanding the word of God so that if we, the church, ever begin to go in a wrong way, you'll see even more of this in a moment. I'll give some examples. But, but, but you're able to put that into play that you can then help us understand what the word means. Brothers and sisters, we talk about discernment discipleship. 
And some of you have the gift of mercy and you have the gift of hospitality. So, some of you have these gifts and there is an expectation. Now, please understand the gift of protecting the word and spreading the word is given to all of us. The gift of hospitality. I'm sorry, not the gift, the expectation of, of protecting the word and spreading the word. An expectation of hospitality and showing mercy and loving one another. That's on all of us. But there are people in this place that it comes very easy to them. And they're very good at it. And God has placed upon you this gift that you may use within the church to do these things. So yes, you are a recipient of the, of the gift, but you are also given a responsibility with the gift. And it has a purpose to it. And you are to use the gift for that purpose. But secondly, now notice the testimony that comes with this purpose. Notice what he says again in verse 7. He says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now that word manifestation means to make known. It is the provision of evidence that reveals something previously unrevealed. So, so think of it in a courtroom where the jury is there and somebody is on trial or something. And so all of a sudden there is a manifestation of evidence. You, you didn't know that they had, you didn't know, you know, A and B took place. A phone call took place prior to the, to the event. And so the lawyer comes and, and he reveals to you, this phone call took place. There's evidence of it. We have phone records, right? It is, it is making known that which was not known. And so in this case, it is the revealing of the Holy Spirit in the life of a church member. So these spiritual gifts are a manifestation, not only just in and of themselves, that, that we begin to see evidence of them in you. The church begins to see this. You begin to see this as your gift. But it is also a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in me and within the church. We are revealing... We are testifying of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, in the life of the church. One scholar put it this way, these gifts become the instruments of conveying the knowledge of salvation to the people of God. We see that these gifts themselves become the evidence that the Spirit of God has been at work in the recipients of these gifts. We see this in the New Testament, do we not? Matter of fact, I would tell you that we see this in the New Testament, and it's actually been taken, uh, uh, it's been misunderstood. And so a lot of people think that, that, that this has to be manifested even now. But take another gift. Take the gift of speaking in tongues. Paul labels that here. Well, in Acts chapter 10, beginning in the verse 45, this is what we, this is what we see. We'll begin in verse 44. He says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. So we're, we're in Cornelius' house. These are Gentiles. Peter is there. God has saved the Jew, but has he saved the Gentile? How do we know that the Gentile has the same spirit in them that is in me? Verse 45. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking the tongues and exalting God. And then Peter answers, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. So here we see that the speaking of tongues was a way in which God manifested the Spirit in the Gentiles. How do I know that Gentile has been saved? That the, that, that, that the Gentile race can be saved. And God says, watch this. I've given, I've given them the gift of tongues. 
Now, not every Gentile who was saved had the gift of tongues, did they? No, some had the gift of mercy. Some had the gift of the, of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Some had discernment. But we know God, God gave us the, the, the speaking tongues so that we would know immediately the Spirit has been poured upon them. Brothers and sisters, the spiritual gift that God has given you is a way of evidencing the Holy Spirit of your salvation. We see here continually the author says here, or the, the, the scholar says, they spoke in languages other than they're the ones they naturally knew. And thus the spiritual gift of speaking in languages not previously known to them was a manifestation of its proper cause. It was evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit in these Gentiles. And so thus spiritual gifts reveal the Spirit in me. How do I know a, a person is saved? And, and don't think that we can't ask that question. Peter asked the question, how do I know that Jesus is in you? And we see it in the local church when people are using their gifts. They reveal salvation. They reveal the, the transformation. They, re- they reveal the reconciliation of God to them. That God has reconciled them and brought them to Himself. He has saved them. And thus His grace is not only poured out to them in salvation, but His grace is poured out to them in that He is giving them this gift by which they are to now use within the local church. And so when we see people doing being merciful, and we see people having the word of knowledge and having the discernment of the Spirit, when we see people with hospitality, right? Those people who, who were so hospitable, you could, you could just show up to their house and they're, and they're not upset about it. They, they're, they're glad that you were there. That gift of taking strangers and bringing in your house and you love on them through hospitality, beloved. That is an expression of Christ in them. A testimony of God's grace. And yet, like the Corinthians, we have our own unbiblical standard by which we will say the presence of God is in somebody. We do this, don't we? We do it within the church. We do it with individuals. I will decide whether God is in you and whether you are righteous by my standard. And so we have this within the church, a, a worldly thermometer. And so we go, we come to the service, and it's emotional. It's really good. It's like, whoo, man, that was emotional. God was there. And there may not have been any kind of preaching there may have been nothing but talent, just, just people singing, their, you know, and we go, man, God was present, and no spiritual gift was used or expressed, but we know God was there because of the emotional aspect of it. We may come into churches, and we may see a crowd size, and we go, man, God was present. We had 10,000 people there today. God was present as though five people who gather and use their gifts, God was not there. We, we, we may look at someone's talents, we may look at what someone says, their words, whatever. It, it just, we have this thermometer that we begin to say that is the testimony, the manifestation of the Spirit. And yet it's not. Instead, Paul says these gifts are evidence that the Spirit of God is present in them and even within the church. Because this was the problem. There were people who didn't have the gift of tongues. There were people who didn't have the gift of prophecy. And people were going, where are you at? Where's your gift? Where's the Spirit at in you? But yet they were merciful. 
They had knowledge. They, had, they, had, they were able to teach. They had discernment. And so Paul says the spirit, spiritual gifts are a manifestation, beloved. So I say to you this morning, do you have the gift to teach or preach? Do you have the gift of teaching? Some of you Sunday school teachers, you, you've been given this great gift and you're, you're able to communicate, you're able to teach and we, we see the manifestation of the Spirit not only in you, but we see the manifestation of the Spirit within the church. He is working in the church through your gift. Do you have the gift of discernment this morning? You say, well, what good is that? <laughs> Brother, that is a wonderful gift when a false teacher comes into the church to begin to mislead the church. That's a wonderful gift when the people of the church begin to listen to the false teachings of those outside the church and want to bring it into the church. And the one who has the gift of discernment stands up and goes, "Uh uh-uh, I'm just telling you something is wrong. We don't need to do this. The person who has the gift of faith. And remember, this is not the gift of saving faith. This is the gift of faith, the boldness to stand in difficult times and difficult trials. A church who has a man or a woman who has this gift in their life, where the rest of us, we're, we're struggling and we're hard. We, we want to gather, right? We want to gather, but, but we don't know. And so we're really nervous. But there is a man, there is a woman within the church who stands and says, brothers and sisters, God has called us and we must believe in Him and we must trust in Him. And the rest of us say, what an example. And we follow in that example and we get behind that example and their faith encourages my faith. And we go, praise the Lord, because the Spirit is working in the church. When a person encourages another person, when a person has mercy on another person, when a person leads or helps or gives generously to another person, these spiritual gifts, beloved, we are able to say to that local, in that local church, God is there. God is there. They may not have a single talent in singing, They may not have a single talent in other things. But when those spiritual gifts are in work or in play, we can say confidently, Christ. We can say confidently, the Spirit of God is moving. And so FBC, I ask you, do you want want to see the Spirit of God working within your church? Do you want to see the presence of the Spirit? Do you want to see the manifestation of the Spirit at work within us? Then use your gift. Do you want to be gospel witnesses as a church, as an individual this morning? Then use your gifts. Do do you want to reach our Jerusalem? Use your gift. Do you want people to know that you are a believer, that you are faithful unto God? Use your gift. Do you want to be a healthy, vibrant, faithful, God-honoring, God-loving church? then use your gift. God has given you a responsibility that you may testify to the world of His name and of His grace and of His power. And this is exactly how we do it. But thirdly, there is also an edification. And now we truly see what the purpose is about. Notice that He says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have a responsibility, church, to show the work of the Spirit Why? For the common good. The end verse here is the very core of the purpose. What does it mean? Well, the Greek wording here is somphoro, 
if I said that right, somphoro, which means to bring together for profit or benefit. Basically, it would, you know, we could look at this and say that some people came together and they said, you know, we're going to build a business and we're going to make profit from this business. So they, they go in partnership with other individuals. We, we see it even in the, uh, the Gospel of John and other places. You know, when, when, when Jesus was there in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, in Matthew uh, where he talks about if your eye causes you to sin, your eye calls in, pluck it out. For what, for what advantage is there? What profit is there to leave it in? We do harm to you. We see it in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage, it is for your profit that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so when we see this word, we have to understand this word is all about gaining profit. It's all, it's all about getting an advantage and getting more, gaining more. And so what are we getting in return here? When spiritual gifts are used, when you use your spiritual gifts here, what are we receiving? Well, I want you to look ahead. I want you to look ahead to chapter 14, okay? So so take your Bibles, turn the page with me, look to chapter 14, and I want you to see what Paul says here in verses 1 through 5 and verse 12. All of this is connected. And so here the purpose is now, the common good is just laid out here in these verses. He says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gift, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consultation. One who speaks in tongues edifies himself. But the one who prophesies, notice this, edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would all prophesy, that you would prophesy, and greater is one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying, edification. Now, look at verse 12. So also you, since, so also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Paul says, listen, this whole speaking in tongues thing is good. It's a spiritual gift. is great. But prophesying is even better because speaking in tongues edifies you. It edifies no one else unless there's an interpretation because no one knows what's being said. So prophecy is better. Why? Because everyone hears and everyone's edified. Brothers and sisters, Paul will make very clear that the purpose of spiritual gifts is the edification of the whole church, not the building, the people. According to Vine's Expository Dictionary on, on uh, Old Testament New Testament words, he says this, that the words indicate the promotion of spiritual gifts and development of character of believers by teaching or by example, suggesting such spiritual progress as the result of patient labor. In other words, in summary, discipleship, spiritual growth. Spiritual gifts profit spiritual growth. Spiritual gifts profit spiritual strengthening of the body, the faith family. So you receive the gift that you may use it as a tool for the labor of building up one another, which is what edification is. Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Listen to what Paul says. He says, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. He's not saying that I'm going to give you a spiritual gift because Paul can't do that. So what does he mean? He means that I may impart to you the benefit of my spiritual gifts 
So I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may, notice this, be established, be firm, be held steadfast. So that is why, that is, that he says, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by our other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul says, I'm coming to establish you. I want to benefit you. I want you to profit from my gift. But while I'm there, I want to profit from your gift. Translation. That we may benefit from one another to be established and strengthened in the faith together. John Piper says to strengthen someone by spiritual gift means to help their faith not give way as easily when trouble enters their life. Think about that. There are people here who are on the edge. There are people out there in other churches that are on the edge. Brother, their faith is wavering. They are, they, for whatever reasons, they are, they are struggling. And we've been given a gift to help them, to help other people, Piper says. Keep the faith and maintain an even keel in life's storms. Brothers and sisters, we benefit and profit from one another in the walk of faith. You may not have the gift of tongues this morning, but you have another gift. The gift of hospitality, the gift of mercy, the gift of teaching, the gift of discernment, the, the gift of helping others. It is all for the profit of those that are sitting around you. Do you see what God did? Do you see the purpose of spiritual gifts? God didn't just save you and bring you and tell you to gather. God gave you something very special and something very powerful. Even though it may be different, it's a variety. It may be different than everybody else's, but he gave you something that you are able to help the person sitting next to you. How practical can you get? And here's the thing. You couldn't do it with a talent. You can't do it with a program. But you can do it with this gift supernatural gracious gift that has power to encourage the one who sits next to you or behind you or in front of you so i ask you beloved how many of you have been seeking to grow in your own faith how many of you have a desire and you have sought for the last year 10 years as long as you're living whatever that you've been seeking to grow in your faith but yet you've been doing it by yourself how many of you have been doing it on your own? You read your Bible. I mean, you come to church and you go to Sunday school, but that's pretty much it. You may read a book, but you do that by yourself. You don't discuss it with anybody. You may watch a YouTube video of a preacher, but you don't do it with anybody. You don't talk about it. So you read your Bible and you do these things in, in the comfort of your own home. You are trying to grow as a Christian in your faith. And you wonder why you keep struggling. And you wonder why it's so hard. Because you're doing it alone. You're doing it alone remember the greek word is not only about profit profiting but bringing together for profit it's about pulling everyone together that we may all benefit this is cooperation this is teamwork and so so the, what we like to call it here at fbc and apparently we've now made a podcast about it church investment you are investing in your preacher and your pastor, and I am investing in you. We are investing in one another. And you go, I don't have anything to invest. All I'm good at is just bringing people to my house and cooking hot dogs and, and we'll sit down and, and just, you know, 
paper plates and red solo cups and I've got some chips. That is your spiritual gift. Not red solo cups, the, the gift of hospitality. And you do it well. And some of you are good with your words of encouragement. And God puts you in this church because you need to encourage people to be faithful. Some of you write some of the best prayergrams. I don't know if you're praying in that place, but you do write really good prayergrams. And you're using that gift of encouragement when you send it to your pastor who is struggling and who's just like going, hands up in the air, I don't know what I'm going to do this week. And you send and you just, you encourage me. It's called spiritual synergy. Synergy is the cooperation of two or more agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their spiritual or their separate effects. So in other words, we are working together. There's a teamwork of cooperation to achieve a spiritual growth, not only for myself, but for everyone else in the church. I am working and using and serving that my brother next to me makes it to the end and doesn't fall away. I, I'm doing this that the, that the woman befi- behind me or in front of me can can be faithful in the midst of her family tragedy. I'm doing my spiritual gift. I'm using it so that the person who has a rebellious child can be encouraged to keep on going, even though their children just keep giving them a hard time and keep rebelling, rebelling over and over. And so if you've got these gifts, the gift of the word of wisdom, then use it for the benefit of the church. If you've got the gift of knowledge, love, the word of knowledge, then use it that we may understand deeper truths together. Because we, some of us are need that. You have the gift of faith where you stand and you say, I know the world is against me, but I have faith in God. And the rest of us go, brother, I need that. I need that faith right now. And so I'm going to get behind you because I want to follow you. The question then becomes, are you investing in anyone? Or are you doing this whole journey by yourself? Are you investing in anyone and you can't give me the excuse, I've got nothing to invest? Yes, you do. Are you investing in others or are you seeking to be invested into? Because maybe you're on the other end and you're saying, I'm kind of weak right now. I need someone to help me grow. Are you seeking to be invested in? Are you seeking the common good of the church body? A well-known coach once asked, how much does college football contribute to the national physical fitness picture? The coach said nothing. He said, why? Why not? He was very startled by this. And the coach said, well... Here's how I see it. 22 men are on the field desperately needing rest. And there are 40,000 people in the stands desperately needing some kind of exercise. The way the church works, beloved, the way it's always worked is 10% do 100% of the work and 90% just do, do nothing. Are you investing into a person that is a member of this church? Brothers and sisters, we have a similar situation. All local churches do. And God's strategy for accomplishing His mission is not a program where a few people do the program and the program does all the work and those who aren't involved don't have to worry. No, He has given the job and the responsibility and the evidence, the testimony of His saving grace through the spiritual gifts that you put into work here at First Baptist Church of Jonesboro. Find your gift. If you don't know what it is, ask. 
Look to the local body to help speak into your life, to find your gift, to let you know what your gift is. Use your gift in the church. Use it. You say, well, where do I use it in the church? It may not to be the, the, the body of the church. It may just be an individual member of the church. Use your gift. Find somebody that you can minister to and invest in. And use it for the common good, brothers and sisters, for this for First Baptist Church of Jonesboro. And before I leave this morning, may I say this. All of this is a manifestation of the Spirit. All of this is the grace of God. It's the song that we sang that when we cross the finish line, we will say, it was not I, but Christ in me. We give praise to God this morning for the salvation of sinners, and we give praise to God for the gospel that saves. And so maybe this morning I will say this, that Christ has died for you, and he has not only he has died for you, he has risen from the grave for you, and Christ offers salvation to you. So if there is one here today who says, I have no gift, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not even, Brother Brian, you talk about spiritual gift, but I don't even know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Brother, hear me this morning. Jesus died and gave his life for you. All this other things we've been talking about, it comes by the grace of God's salvation. And so I will call upon you this morning. Go to the one who is the source. Go to the one that we are manifesting, the one that we are giving evidence to, to Christ, and call upon him as your Lord and your Savior this morning. Let's pray.